0: On this edition of the Calgary Today podcast, we lighten things up off the top talking about hashtag love YYC, which is going on this weekend. We also talk about what's getting in the way of Calgary transitioning to an innovation hub. And we review the first week of the latest sitting of the Alberta legislature. As always, a massive thank you for checking out the show and the podcast. What we'll do now is we will turn over to uh, Jeff Hessel at uh, Tourism Calgary. Uh, Jeff's going to give us a little bit more, of, I think, of an update on what exactly Love YYC is all about and, and what tomorrow brings for the people here in Calgary. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. What is Love YYC all about?
1: Well, Love YYC is a program that's now in its third year. It's really uh, a day that's been put together uh, to really get Calgarians to celebrate their city by either experiencing something new, rediscovering old favorites, really forgetting to people to talk about what they love about this city and going and
0: trying something new. What's been the reaction over the last couple of years?
1: We've had great reaction uh, from people, and uh, every year we get lots of participation online with people using the hashtag LoveYYC and all their social channels, and they take pictures of areas of the city, they talk about things that they love to do, people that they love in the city, everything that that just makes our city great, they love to talk about that. And so the reaction's been fantastic. The whole thing uh, comes together on on the the first Saturday of November, which is November 3rd this year, and it's a day where there's deals all around the city um, that are on our website, PhysicCalgary.com slash loveyyc, um, and it has um, discounts to either restaurants, attractions, breweries various different events um, all in there. We actually have 157 deals that are on the website this year. It's just a huge list, and it's, the, it's a record for us uh, for having deals on the website.
0: It's amazing how things kind of continue to grow when it's born out of what you would think is kind of a simple idea. What was Love YYC born out of?
1: Well, when Love YYC started, we were in the economic downturn and we really started a partnership with uh, Calgary Economic Development at that time. It was really designed to just get more of a positive conversation taking place in the city and then giving people a reason just to get back out there with their family and their friends trying something new, really rediscovering their city. Um, and that's really where it started. But every year we have our partners asking us, what are we going to do Love YYC Day again? We've got even the public calling us to say, is that happening again? And so we really find that people are um, getting a lot of value at it. Partners are getting a lot of value of it. People are rediscovering or discovering new things in the city. And uh, they just love to talk about th- their city. Calgarians love Calgary. And, uh, and that's really, we give people a platform just to, just to give them the chance to celebrate that and, uh, and talk with others about what they do like and love about the city.
0: Yeah, it's amazing that way is that you, we sometimes get bogged down by some of the negativity, and yet, as, as I've said on, on the program a number of times, is there is a lot of good that's happening around town, and one of these things happens to be the fact that you can almost do like a mini-staycation, in a sense, for a reason and, and give back to your community that way through Love YYC.
1: Absolutely. you know, And it's very interesting from a tourism perspective, um, about 56% of the people that come to visit our city are actually visiting their friends and family. And so really, Calgarians are the ambassadors of the city. They're the ones that host them and show them around. And really, this gives people an opportunity to get to know a few things that if they're hosting people in the next year, that they can, they can uh, take them to a few different places. Some of the deals that we have on the website right now are also deals for the future. And so even the Calgary Stampede has a deal for two-for-one evening ticket shows, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo has their Christmas market. They're selling tickets for that. There's Hitman tickets, Stampeder tickets, um, uh, also things at uh, the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra for into the future. And so, if you want to plan your year out and the things that you want to do and get a great deal on that, you can
0: actually do that uh, tomorrow as well. It's an amazing thing to see on social media, to be sure, because you get the selfie thing going, which is never a bad thing in that that way either. So a lot of smiling faces for Love YYC time. Uh, Tourism Calgary's Jeff Hessel, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, we will dive into the debate over whether we need to innovate here in Calgary. This is 770 CHQR's Calgary Today. What's getting in the way of Calgary becoming the next innovation hub in Canada? That's part of the poll commissioned by the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. And to shed a little bit more light on this particular poll, we bring in Stephen Thomas, an adjunct assistant professor at the Smith School at Queen's University. Uh, Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. Let's talk about the reasons why Calgarians feel like they can't get over the hump and they can't become that innovation hub.
2: Yeah, so we we did a poll. We asked about 800 Calgarians uh, what they thought about Calgary and and its ability to be an innovation hub. The good news is that 80% of Calgarians think that the city has the potential to get there. But some of the barriers that the respondents cited, the biggest one was the lack of appetite, to move outside the energy sector. So 40% of people said that. Mm-hmm. The next one was they felt there was a lack of incentives or tax credits to encourage tech startups. And then finally, there was uh, a lack of familiarity with, with high-tech, you know,
0: machine learning, AI, FinTech among Calgary residents. And how do you move past, the, especially that third one, the the familiarity aspect? Is it just a matter of, companies moving in and showing off what they can do, or is there something more to be said there?
2: I think the, um, the biggest thing that, that Calgary can do and Calgary residents is you know, to look into re-education and retraining existing uh, the existing workforce in Calgary. When you can bring in new companies, and that would be great, you need to attract new tech companies, and that needs to happen. But I think the biggest one is going to happen when Universities start offering uh, innovative new programs through executive education and a master's degree uh, to teach uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, analytics, fintech. You know, that's why we've been doing it at the Smith School of Business. We've been doing some of these things. We're starting to launch programs in these areas because we see a gap. We see a gap where companies want to innovate, um, but they don't know how. They might hire a few engineers, and a few computer scientists, and mathematicians, but that doesn't immediately translate into you know, business wins and you know, increased revenues. And the reason is there's kind of this, uh, a gap between the, the tech force and the upper-level management. So there needs to be kind of this translator to, to fill the gap. And I think
0: that's one of the biggest ways Calgary can you know, increase their status as an innovation hub. It's interesting, too. One of the findings was about one in three who are working in the oil and gas sector now think that landing a job or setting up a new business in tech uh, is, is kind of on their radar. So it's not like there's no appetite for it.
2: Exactly. Yeah, so that's the good news. I mean, I, I mean, oil and gas, obviously very traditional uh, business area in Calgary. But yes, the, the poll says about a third of people are interested in moving out of that or at least bringing some innovation into their existing oil and gas job.
0: What do you think Calgarians, what do you think the next step is, I guess, for Calgarians when it comes to uh, evolving the talent pool we have here?
2: I think uh, the best way to kind of win this fight is a a four-pronged approach. So the city government needs to step in and support tech and innovation, things like startup incubators, startup funding. Uh, incentivizing big companies, big tech companies to come, incentivizing university research. And I know the city of, uh, the government of Calgary is already doing a lot of these things, which is good, but they need to keep doing it and keep stepping it up. Second, companies need to commit to hiring these high-tech jobs. They need to put some money on the table and say, we're going to hire, you know, 100 machine learning engineers. We're going to hire some people, some managers who speak this language. We're going to transform our culture. Third, I think universities need to start, uh, like I already said, offering these programs, offering these ability uh, to for workforces and for people to retrain themselves and you know step up their game. And then finally, uh, companies need to commit to you know paying for and allowing their their workforce, their employees to go take these programs and you know, gain these skills.
0: Interesting stuff. Uh, that is uh, Stephen Thomas, an adjunct assistant professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you, Joe. Week one of the latest sitting of the legislature is now in the books. And for a recap, we're joined by Global's Tom Vernon. Hello there, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me. We'll get to some of the contentious stuff in a second. But first, let's walk through some of those initial pieces of legislation put on the table by the NDP government. What were maybe a couple of the big ones that this government really wanted to get out there first and foremost?
3: Yeah, so I mean, it's tradition for a government to put out a showpiece legislation on the first day of session, be it spring or in the fall. And this time, the the NDP saying, look, there's not going to be much, you know, game-changing legislation coming in this session, they came out with uh, something for post-secondary students. It was a tuition hike cap. Now, for anybody, any of your listeners that are university students, they know we've been in a tuition freeze for the past four years. It's going to go on for one more year, but starting in the 2020 school year, tuition will be able to go up again at post-secondary institutions, but on average, it won't be able to go higher than... The uh, consumer price index, so basically the rate of inflation here in Alberta. Um, the government says this provides predictability for students. They're not going to get like a thirty percent hike or whatever one year uh, in, in year two from year one. Uh, And students say, you know, that's that's all they hope for is just some predictability in what their tuition is going to be.
0: I'll admit I nerded out a little bit, Tom, over the last couple of days watching Question Period in particular, and it did get testy at times. But I assume this is all looking ahead to the election campaign that's looming.
3: So there's an interesting moment during the debate on the post-secondary tuition bill. So it's Marlon Schmidt's bill and Devin Drieschen, the young new MLA for uh, the UCP out of Innisfil, Sylvan Lake, stood up and actually spoke about how he supported a number of aspects of that legislation, you know, giving students predictability in that. But then the UCP talking points came out as well, saying, but this government, I don't trust them. They've hurt students because of the carbon tax. They've hurt students. And he said, because they've raised minimum wage. Now he says. That hurts students because there are fewer hours available to them, fewer jobs available to them, because businesses are having a hard time managing that. Well, up steps Marlon Schmidt. Now, Devin Drieschen, uh just for some background on these comments, he he was a, uh, a volunteer on the Trump campaign. So there's a picture out there of him wearing a uh, Make America Great Again hat. And he's also, uh, the, his father was an MP in the federal government. Mm-hmm. So uh, Marlon Schmidt stands up and says minimum wage is hurting students i think you're wearing your make america great again had a little too tight and you know when i went to university i wasn't the son of a rich farmer i had to work and make minimum wage well i mean the ucp called point of order on that the, mm-hmm. the person the speaker in the chair said you're going to need to withdraw those comments or you have to leave and he just got up and left right so some some heat going back and forth in that debate and uh I think we're going to see the temperature up in question period, and you know this fall, and then especially heading into next spring, uh, some maybe some more outbursts like that because things are, you know, the stakes are high, especially just like we said, six months out from a possible election.
0: Yeah, stakes are high, and one of the things that I think a, a lot of uh, NDP supporters are trying to do, or the the NDP trying to do, is is cast a bit of a shadow over the UCP, and another one of those stories coming out about a former staffer with white supremacist mm. ties, and. Uh, a A lot of the reporters in the press gallery at the legislature have been trying to get Jason Kenney to comment on that, and it kind of uh, got, it kind of boiled over, I guess, a little bit with a bit of a walk-in lack of talk session that that happened yesterday.
1: Yeah,
3: so I mean, I've been doing this job here in in Alberta. I've been covering the Alberta legislature for almost five years. I covered the Saskatchewan legislature uh, for five years before moving back home here. So I've been doing this almost 10 years. And every, every year I've done this, every government I've done this with, the opposition leader is always happy to talk right they want to be on the news they want to get their message out there I've never we've never had an issue getting opposition members to speak but it's been different with jason kenny and this let's go back a little history lesson here with last spring when he came in as the leader um he wasn't doing in so when we get our uh, comments from leaders and, and cabinet ministers it's when they're heading into the house jason kenny in ottawa what, the way they do it in ottawa is they do it when they come out of the house mm-hmm. and that's how he started doing it which is tough on our deadline, but. Like, okay, whatever, we'll get him then. Yeah. So this week comes along. He wasn't doing in and he wasn't doing out. So the first week of the session, we didn't see Jason. We didn't get to speak to Jason Kenny, which is very strange. And we want to ask him questions around, obviously, that, that member with the white supremacist ties that have allegedly come out, right? And it, he is not in there. They put out a statement and they put Jason Nixon up to speak to it, but not the leader himself. So, you know, we, you know what little protest we can form in the, in the media, in the press gallery. <laughs> we, we waited outside. There's, each party has a little office downstairs from where the house is. And we waited outside the door. Now, Jason Kenney was in there. We knew he was in there. He knew we were outside that door waiting for him to speak. But he didn't come out until, I think, I don't know if you, you heard the clip. He said, he comes out the door and one of the members goes, can we ask you a couple of questions? He said, ah, I got asked questions in the house in three minutes and then just kept walking. It didn't stop. Mm-hmm. And it was just a big gaggle of us around him trying, you know, Going up the stairs, you know, my my cameraman. Thank God he's coordinated because you had to run (laughs) up the stairs holding the camera. If I was doing that, we would have had a forty thousand dollar bill on that camera, right? Like it would it wouldn't have been good. And you just kind of walk right past, you know. He answered, you know, today said, you know, we we don't like these things. People in our party, we're going to get these people out of our party. They're not welcome. Then walked in the house, but didn't take any questions. Now, I mean, I, I'm sure the optics of that isn't good for either side, right? For mm-hmm. him, for not stopping answering questions. And obviously, in, in these, this day and age, the media, we get a lot of eyeballs on us, a lot of critique on us. But and I know it doesn't look good on us, but there's a reason we we ask questions, and there's a reason. That politicians are supposed to answer questions. It's all about accountability. And if you're not answering questions, if you're not making yourself available, particularly as the leader of the official opposition, that's when we have to pull that kind of that kind of
0: move. Well, and I think too, one of the things that I've I've I noticed the the commentary on on that particular story when it comes to Facebook. And one of the questions that I threw out there back, because there has been a lot of oh it's just stupid media kind of thing, and one of the things that mm-hmm. I pointed out is if this were the shoe on the other foot, and it was a member of the Notley government or a Notley staffer that was involved, you would be expecting the same thing out of us here. And so there's there's a level of expectation that goes across the board. Doesn't matter who it is, yeah. they need to answer questions. So that's yeah. one of the uh, one of the the trials and tribulations, I guess, in a sense. There, mm-hmm. Tom. So uh, Tom Vernon, global news reporter, up at the legislature. Thanks for the uh, wrap up of what's happened this week. Hey, happy to chat. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.